0: We do go back to the pen. He oh! caught it. He oh, took it back. He's doing everything right now.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the TC and Company podcast. Tom Karen with you coming to you from Fenway Park after a, a couple of weeks' hiatus. Uh, we had the all star break, little getaway. We were in Cooperstown for the Hall of Fame, and that, of course, is what we're going to be talking a lot about today. Uh, David Ortiz inducted over the weekend, just the fifth Red Sox player ever elected on the first ballot into the Hall of Fame, first designated hitter ever elected on the first ballot. And uh, as you would expect, Big Poppy stole the show. He was the headliner, even surrounded by the brightest lights to ever shine in this game. David Ortiz uh, is the center of the universe in every room. He enters uh, the estimated crowd some 35,000. We've been told it was far bigger than that when the count was done. Uh, but there were uh, just Red Sox fans as far as the eye could see in Cooperstown over the weekend. We're going to talk about that uh, with the man who caught... David Ortiz's first pitch here at Fenway Park on Tuesday night. They had a ceremony honoring the newest Hall of Famer and his captain, Jason Veritek, was back behind the plate uh, to catch that ceremonial first pitch. Tech now the game planning coordinator as a member of the coaching staff here, Alex Cora's staff with the Red Sox. He'll be joining me in just a little bit to talk about David Ortiz, the weekend, and about his role with the team and what it's going to take for this squad to get back on track and get to the playoffs, but Leading off, as always, Tyler Baronski with us, and uh, after uh, a couple of weeks, an All-Star break and a, a Hall of Fame induction, uh, nice to have you back here at Fenway, Tyler. How it's you doing?
2: It's nice to be back. Do we still remember how to do this? I
1: don't know. We'll, well wing it. I'm not sure we ever really knew how to do this, yeah. so we'll see how <laughs> yeah, it goes.
2: Don't worry. You, guys have, you guys have always been our number one priority, except yes. when there's an All-Star break, except when yeah. a, a Hall of Fame induction's happening. Exactly. So, I mean, you've been gone the last few days in Cooperstown, and then, you know, you're Ortiz was here yesterday with you, so you think
1: he's tired of seeing you yet? Yeah, I do. Uh, the Love Fest. Uh, you know, I remember. You know, we were around when uh, when Jim Rice went in, when Dennis Eckersley went in, and I kept calling it the Summer of Love. So I think the <laughs> Summer of Love for Big Poppy is going to keep on rolling. He told us he's got stuff straight out till mid-August, like really? just events cool. and uh, and things. And it was it was just really cool being able to hear some stories from him uh, after the weekend when he was here yesterday. So that was really cool. I assume you got to see everything from back here.
2: Yeah, I definitely watched your guys' show yesterday in clips and uh, definitely watched the ceremony online. And What'd you it was think? Special?
1: Like, tell me, you know, as a, as a fan, I'm kind of caught up in the middle of it covering it and you're trying to hear the right sound clip and, you know, uh, working with the producers. So you're sitting back kind of watching it as a fan. What'd you think about his speech? What'd you think about the event?
2: I just love how he was able to thank so many people in it and gave credit to all the his Red Sox teammates that were in attendance for it. And then gave a lot to love to the Minnesota Twins back in the day, too, when he first started out his career. So... Um, you know, obviously he's got a million people thank and not a lot amount of time, but I thought he did a good job trying to cover as many of his bases as he could. Yeah. And always the passion and the energy, yeah. and he always brings it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of stood out.
1: I think I counted, I think it was like 48 or 49 individual names yeah. in his speech. It was just great. And, and, you know, got it all. The scouts and the support staff, along yeah. with the managers and the coaches and the yeah. teammates In an and interesting way, too, it
2: wasn't just you know, right. the typical thing. Like, my boy, you know, this my guy here, so it's like it's an entertaining way the way he was able to thank everyone. Um,
1: so watching it, uh, what what struck you the most out of the whole weekend? What 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 was your favorite part of the whole weekend uh, in Cooperstown?
2: Yeah, I think um, when you guys had the parade and when yeah. he was in the the truck coming down the street and it's it's packed obviously on both sides and you that's when I saw like moments of him kind of getting like a little emotional like this is finally hitting him. You know he's oh. hear the build up for all these these months uh, about it and I think because I was editing back in us in the clips. I could just see him getting a little emotional in that moment and taking it all in. So I think that's actually one of the moments that stand out is that parade when you just see everyone there in, for you. It is literally for you why they're there, so special. We
1: talked to uh, John Smoltz yeah, <clears throat> before yeah. it, and I, I thought he had such a great line as, as he always does. But just, you know, you get there, and it's the sea of humanity yeah. that's there for you. But he goes, then you turn around and and everybody behind you are, literally are the greatest players in the history of baseball and they're here to welcome you in because that's when it really hits you. And I feel like Anybody else would get nervous. I know I know Eck was was nervous about his speech. Sure. He was you know Jim Rice is a little cool. I mean, he <laughs> can, he can, but but Poppy, you know, he's the greatest clutch hitter of all time. Of course he's not going to get nervous. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we that's ever true. thought he yeah. might get nervous. That's a
2: great point. That's a great point. There's there's no moment too big for that guy. No stage too big, no lights too bright. So I think that's a good point right there. What was it like for you? I mean, this is a guy you've literally covered his entire time with the Red Sox that you've built a good relationship with, a friendship with. Yeah. Were you able to take the reporter hat off for a second and just soak it in as almost like a proud friend in a yeah, sense? Yeah,
1: the coolest thing was Saturday night we got to go to the Red Sox, had a private party for him, and, and we got to go, no cameras, no coverage. Uh, and it was really cool because, you know, Pedro and Eck and Rice were all there, but but Tim Wakefield and Trot Nixon and Johnny Damon and Michael and Dustin Pedroia, who I hadn't seen uh, in a long time since his night here, uh that you know just yeah. so many teammates like I like I <clears throat> said to Jason Veritek it, it felt like a high school reunion yeah. you know like there's the class of 04 there's the <laughs> class of 07 there's the class of 13 uh that was really cool to see all these guys and and to uh to just be around because they were really really honored just to be there as well and these are great players right mm-hmm. every one of them but they were just honored to be there as part of Poppy celebrations so that was cool
2: no that's awesome and like you said I think Papa even said he, he reached out to these guys individually, too. Like, I want you to be at this so, ceremony with me. Right. It's special. It's important for me, for you to be there, uh, uh, to have this moment with. So uh, very cool to see all, everyone at the reunion. And now it's like like you said earlier, it's extending here to Fenway Park. You did the show with Wakefield and Ellis Burks yesterday. That was great. Veritech coming on later today for this show. So uh, just and keep the party always, going. And as
1: always, David Ortiz's timing couldn't be better for him to uh, be turning everyone's attention away from the 28-5 game. It was absolutely <laughs> yes. perfect. So yeah. well done one more time. Uh, yeah, you're probably Big having more in here for this I, one. Right? It was, it was every yeah, you got a good weekend to be, to be out here. Uh, that for was that. a good weekend. Uh, we'll we'll <laughs> make it easy on you. We won't go into that this week. We got next week for that. Uh, Tyler, study up because next week we'll be doing this the day after the trade deadline. Uh, yep. So got to be ready. There's a lot to talk about there, but we will do all that next week. For now, it's a little more of the summer of love for David Ortiz. And our guest this week uh, was his captain, and on Tuesday night here at Fenway Park was his catcher, Jason Veritek, behind the plate to catch Big poppies first. Pitch. He joined me to talk about that moment and about being able to get to Cooperstown to share in the celebration of Big Poppy. Our guest this week needs no introduction Jason Veritek. Most people know him as the captain once and forevermore. He's the game planning coordinator, but yesterday he was a catcher once again, catching the ceremonial first pitch for David Ortiz. Tech, what was it like to be out there with Poppy once again?
0: Uh, I mean, I hadn't got to see David on Sunday, you know, for a moment. But just, you know, the atmosphere of what he brought and what he's done, have a chance to honor him uh, in that setting, you know, in, in, with this fan base and, you know, at Fenway was huge. And uh, you know, catch the first pitch secondarily because at this point you're just worried about being able to get up fast enough.
1: And he he was feeling pretty good after that throw, right? He came up, he was talking about, I can still throw strikes, I still got it.
0: Yeah, I mean, David cannot pick up a ball in a month and then, and then have a cannon for an arm at first base. And uh, that's a, the that's a unique thing about, you know, David's athleticism.
1: You got to be in Cooperstown. It was an unbelievable uh, event. But I know that didn't come easy for you. Talking to A.C., like you're a guy who is all about responsibility and duties and you have those here. It took a little convincing for, to get you to take the day off, didn't
0: it? Oh, well, I mean, that, that comes from, you know, leadership in A.C. You know, he's like, you're going. He didn't really give me a choice. And, uh, you know, and it's great. It's more so, you know, not as much great for me, but it's great to be able to honor David and be there for David. And uh, whether you have time or not time to be there, just to, uh, to show that to him and had not been able to go to Pedro's before, it was a great honor for me.
1: You've been around this a long time, I've been around this a long time, but I thought Sunday was still one of those moments where you, you look up on that hill and the fans are just, I mean, as far as the eye can see, and and you think that, I don't know, maybe I take Red Sox nation for granted once in a while, but every now and then there's a moment you say, my God, this is something special, isn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's hugely, because this game would not be what it is, you know, in my opinion, without fans. And we went through it in 2020, you desperately know, desperately, it's a desperate reminder of how bad uh, it is when we have no fans. And yeah, it, it, it comes with responsibility and you could get booed, you could get uh, yelled at and you know things may not always go well, but the, the presence of them uh, makes our game so much fun.
1: To be there uh, with a lot of your former teammates, one of the coolest things for me was, was I mean, you knew the Hall of Famers were going to be there, but to see the number of guys who showed up from 04 and 07 and 13, it felt like a high school reunion, like having all those guys together again. Because, I mean, when's the last time, you know, you were with a bunch of guys from 04 and 07. You probably haven't all been together as a group from two different championship teams in a long time.
0: I'm actually pretty jealous because uh, they were all together in one house, stayed together, got to hang out for, the, you know, the day before that night and really spend time. I really got to see everybody for a blink of an eye there, you know, at the ceremony, a few little hellos. But uh, I would enjoy being able to sit and uh, and, and spend a little time, and uh, you know, away from that environment would have been really nice. But it was great to see Johnny, Mike Needle, Petey. Uh, we've fortunately gotten to see Petey here and there over the over the years, and his presence has always felt here. And uh, those are break wake I get to see, so that that was awesome and uh those those are the big ones, and hopefully I'm not missing any. You
1: could have taken two days off
0: not really. We had a day game I mean, it, it, These are big moments for us right now to um, you know, to really get get the train moving.
1: We'll get to that in a moment, but back to David. Uh, just uh, first of all Johnny Damon, you didn't see him Saturday at all, right? You didn't see him till Sunday. No, at the event. Correct. Saturday, he had—I don't even know how to explain what he's wearing to David's party. I mean, it's a—it's David's party. You know, it's not—it's not a tuxedo, right? It's a—you know—it's going to be David, so you, you kind of dress a little flair. He had like a sleeveless look. Was that Highlander with the broadsword on your back? I mean, he looked like some Scottish—you know—gladiator <laughs> with with the sensei bun up on his head. I mean, I, Johnny Damon style is Johnny Damon's style, I guess.
0: Uh, I, you know. Johnny's not, not not an ugly man, and Johnny can do a lot of things. But Johnny has the wonderful personality to go along with it, and what a teammate, and what a person to have uh, gone to battle with. You know, that's that's the fun side of Johnny, and uh, but the serious side of Johnny, when you put him on this field, was you know his competition was beyond. Comparison
1: and played through anything.
0: Yeah, he's a gamer, running walls, do whatever, do whatever for his teammates, and might wear a sleeveless tuxedo. <laughs>
1: uh, David, what? Uh, I, it's almost impossible to sort of sort of sum up a career like that. But but when you, you know, on your way out there Sunday, when you're thinking about David and going to this event, what what are you thinking of first? What strikes you first? What what is what resonates with you the most from David Ortiz's career here in Boston? Clutch.
0: Uh, The clutchest hitter I've ever seen, and been around, and been around in this game, Uh, innate ability for, for that moment to come up with a hit, whether it's a homer, a base hit, something, uh, over and over and over and over. And I always joke around. It's like, why did they just not pitch to him? And look who's on deck. And a lot of times I was on deck, so (laughs) you know, it's like why. And but, clutch comes most you had that with a big big smile big presence big man and and we have our big poppy
1: I was sideline reporter in 03 and and you know it's easy to look back and say David Ortiz got here and became big poppy and the rest is history but he had to fight I mean he wasn't even in the lineup most days at the beginning of 03 until the Hillenbrand trade right Uh, and and that's what I think is overlooked sometimes in his career you know Minnesota moving away from him, him having to fight for his playing time early on in '03. Like he had to fight for everything he got in this game. It didn't come easily.
0: Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think it was a big moment where he pinch hit, hits the opposite field home run in Anaheim, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the start of his playing time. And and then it was not one, not two, boom! It's this day, it's damaged this day, it's this, boom! It's big hit, it's big hit, and then it's like this guy's never getting out of the lineup.
1: You saw him develop as a teammate into that great hitter, but also into a leader. What was he like? What was, you know, later stage, towards the end of your time here, what was David like in the clubhouse as a leader?
0: Well, David always had that big smile and, and presence. You know, he, he led first by example on the field and, and presence on the field and being the clutchest hitter I have ever been around and became more vocal. And, you know, by the, by the end of his tenure, it became not only a – still a leader on the field by uh, performance but a vocal leader both in the city and in the dugout
1: and now i mean he's a social icon he i mean i the thing i always the line i always use on david is he could be in a room full of ceos and feel like uh, get every one of them to feel like he's their best friend and then he could walk down the hall to a preschool And every one of those kids would think he's his best friend. He has a way to connect with people that very few people do in or out of baseball.
0: Well, if I'm the little preschoolers, I'm still a little intimidated. It's a big man. (laughs) No doubt about that. But, I mean, that's part to do with that electric smile that David has. But I I think the biggest piece, besides him being clutch in, in those things, is David has innate ability to compete and to fight. And when... Some people go other directions when when challenged or faced with adversity. David always seems to take the next step. I remember he got pinch hit for, I was on deck in Toronto early in a game. And since then, the man has never been pinch hit for again. He didn't go south, he went north.
1: I thought it was really cool he got a ride in the cart last night. Like, I, I couldn't ever think how many, you know, he would have had 500 of those things in a, in, if he were doing it back in the day.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it would have been a good leg workout for everyone because <laughs> he's not just big, that's a strong man.
1: You know, you mentioned his finding his voice, if you will, over the course of his career. You're more vocal now as a player, as a coach rather, than you were as a player. And, and I know, I, you know you've know you said over the last couple of years that that year, 2020, no fans and, and going through what the game went through a little bit. Maybe you've got a better appreciation for that. What What is it about not having to grind, and I know you grind on everything, but not having to grind as a player compared to your preparation now that, that has allowed that voice to come out and be a little more vocal leader, not just a leader by example?
0: I, I think that that was a, something that brought time and encouragement and actually, you know, psychological help. You know, that's why we have those – sports psychologists and people that um, that we utilize in our game to help be able to use a voice differently but I think that started for me when I wasn't playing every day and I had Salty and Victor and then Salty again and you know you, you, you start opening up doors that weren't there I didn't, wasn't against talking it just my comfort zone was to be quiet and then you had those like you said that you're not performing, you are always performing, but you're not physically performing like you were in sustaining energy and maintaining energy and, and, and focus and concentration uh, that, you know, there's times I wish I'd learned how to do that younger when I played. I might have not had that look on my face that everybody goes, are you mad? <laughs> uh, and no, I'm fine. I'm just thinking and uh, you know, so you you, you you learn those things now, and you know, you're know you just you're an aide now opposed to uh, having to perform. You're, you're an aide in helping other people perform.
1: You probably don't remember this, but the, I don't know what year it was, but when our old studios were here in Fenway, you came up and did a post-game show where you sat with us in studio. And it was me and Dennis Eckersley on the show. And you sat with us for like 50 minutes. You guys used to all take turns coming up after games. And you left and Eck looked over at me and goes, I was intimidated that entire time. And it's kind of because you weren't with saying a lot. Right. But, you you know, it's just you had that look. And I, I really, really always thought that one of your great roles in the clubhouse was when you didn't say anything. Guys just look at you. And, and like you said, not that you're mad, but it looked, man, he's locked in. I got to be locked in like that.
0: <laughs> I, I think sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. It, it, it could have, a, you know tentative feelings of people you know coming to you first without you going to them but uh i think that's a, it's a response we even joke around it with with you know ramon we joke about it all the time now you mad no i'm good you know because it's like you know, even with my wife you know we've been married for 10 years now so there's sometimes i have a look on my face that she knows me it's like no honey i'm not mad you know she okay good we're good
1: we talked about John Valentin before, he had sunshine over his locker room, right? Because he wasn't sunshiny. Could have had sunshine over your locker for probably yeah, some of that.
0: Sometimes, but you know, part of who we are and we morph and we change and we try and become and uh, continue to develop and I'm developing as a coach today.
1: As a coach, part of what's changed is the understanding mental health matters. And, and you know, when you were playing, especially in the early days, late 90s, it would have been, yeah, suck it up, strap it on, get out there and play. And they're still. I mean, you still have to get out there and answer the bell. But it's also understanding what guys go through now. Is that, is that? Do you have a better appreciation for that now than maybe you did when you were playing?
0: I, I, I was actually fortunate uh, throughout my career, as you know, through Scott, uh, Scott Boris. Um, I've always had a connection and a the use of Harvey Dorfman, yeah. and I developed those things very young in my in my career. By the and, way, a
1: pioneer in all of this. Correct. A so, lot of what we know now actually started with some of his books.
0: Absolutely. And starting with the, you know, the mental, uh, the, uh, well, uh, the mental game of baseball. Right. And uh, I couldn't remember his book for a moment. But so I've always believed in it because sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about the, the picture you're, you're dealing with. It's about someone else, different ways to relate, different ways to Cues that that might help them in those moments, and um, you know, I, I believe it not only on the field, but I believe in it in regular everyday life. That you know, there's words matter, things matter, thoughts matter, and anything that can help our performance.
1: And so, right now, as we talk here, you're in a slump as a team. Uh, what what are you able to share from your experience, the ups and downs you went through? to try to keep this team from letting all of this become too much, from letting them feel they're down two runs before you even take the field?
0: I think that collectively comes. It starts with our manager. And our manager, AC, does a tremendous job of, of pushing and challenging and you know, and, and pushing those, those things amongst our team. And you know, it's not always the moment. And then it carries it to the players. The players have to carry it through players. Uh, me personally, it's just another cog, another piece to, to help promote that. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in it. But, yeah, we have experiences. There, There's not many experiences that has gone on in this game you haven't seen or been a part of or know somebody that has. And you know, the, the thoughts that you're alone in those situations, you're never alone. And if we can convey that most and focus on our small details of what we need to do to compete at our highest level you know, at that moment, then we're doing our job.
1: A couple last things, one being the timing of this trade deadline's now less than a week away, and that's always been part of the narrative in Boston, right? When you're in first place, there's a chance someone's going to get traded to add. When you're a disappointing season, they may take away, whatever the case, but Boston is always in the middle of trade talks, it seems. Has that, have you seen any of that sort of creep into the clubhouse yet? Is that something you can talk about with guys to, to keep that outside noise from penetrating?
0: Uh, no, It's been 20-some years for me being here, and it's the same for 20-some years. It's a moment in time leading up to it that is a buzz and a distraction, so to speak, that we have to, as players, you have to fight through it and continue to focus on what you need to do can't control that, you have no say in it, focus on those things. And it's going to go on for another 100 years after this. And concentrate on what they do, what they have to do, I think that it is, is the most important part. Do
1: you feel this group is doing that okay? Yeah, I mean, you
0: know, we've had some different moments over the last few weeks. But, you know, played a nice game two nights ago and had a not so nice game last night. and. You know, We're as good as our starting pitcher that day, and hopefully that today's a good day to get us on the right foot and get this team going. I think that we're better than we were 10 days ago. Um, we're in a much better spot um, where we are, and uh, you know, we've kind of hit some rock bottoms, and we need to push our way forward.
1: Uh, as we sit here and we sort of wrap it up with, you know, you, you can't help but look at the standings. Right. The Red Sox ownership has been nice enough to put those standings in front of you uh, every single night. And the Yankees are doing what the Yankees are doing. Okay. But, but it's about getting into the playoffs, right? I mean, whether it's the wild card or, or you know, they, the Yankees giving up a 17-game lead, whatever it is. Uh, just getting there is the point. Is this, does this team have what, it has, have what it takes to get where you want to go?
0: I believe so, and you know, we do need health. We do need to get some key components back, and we need to most importantly compete when we're uh, not at full strength. And we find a way to compete over these next ten days, and uh, we can put ourselves in a, a spot to start getting getting that train really rolling.
1: I do got to ask you one last thing. I, I omitted. Did you see the Papelbon tweet last week about the captain, <laughs> the uh, ESPN series on Derek Jeter? When are they going to do it on the real captain? I heard about
0: the tweet. Physically, did I see it? No, but have I heard? Yes. Um, oh, that's. Uh,
1: Any talks underway with ESPN? For I
0: haven't heard from ESPN yet. That's. The, 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 we'll, we'll see.
1: It was, and this is the last question. It was. I couldn't help but notice that David Ortiz being inducted on July 24th, a day that, of course, will uh, be celebrated forever by Red Sox fans, uh, and maybe we overreact to that. Was the turning point of the O4 season. Uh, but have, and, and A-Rod had said, I think a year ago or so, that you guys haven't really talked ever much about that. Has that changed? Have
0: you guys ever had a conversation about that day? I think if we were stuck in a setting and we're both at dinner at David's house, like they did, everybody brings up, they're really good friends. I think that probably might come up. I mean, you have to be in settings, places, time. Um, well, it's part of what happened. It's really not anything personal, um. No, and it's probably, it could be personal on that. And I don't, it doesn't really stop my day. Um, and it's not going to stop my day, you know, at, at this point. that you know, This team was trending in the right direction um, before and probably would have after whether the, those incidents, because the big point was that that game, that the players forced us to play that game in that rain conditions.
1: Yeah, And getting it done off Rivera was kind of a harbinger of what would happen later.
0: Yeah, because we we haven't. We've never gotten to Rivera, ever. And big hit by Bill Miller in, in, in that game to allow us our first.
1: There you go. So little games, little things, little moments can turn things around. Let's hope it happens this year. Tech, we appreciate the time. It was fun. Thank you. Well, great stuff. We'll see if there's a moment like that waiting for the Red Sox, uh, some kind of spark to turn things around over these final couple of months. want to thank uh, Jason Veritek for joining us on the podcast this week. Thank Tyler Baronski, as always. Thank you. And make sure you join us next week. Uh, We will be uh, coming to you a day or so after the trade deadline. It's Tuesday at 6 p.m. I'll actually be in Houston next week with the team. Uh, We'll be, uh, don't forget, doing our... Nesson trade deadline coverage. Uh, we start at 5 o'clock and go right up to the game at 7 or 8 o'clock. I don't know. I get all confused. The fi- 5 to 7 is the trade deadline show. 7 to 8 is the pregame show. So we will basically on for three hours, 5 to 8. Uh, we'll see what the Red Sox do, who they add, uh, who they move, if anybody. Uh, negotiations underway to get Heim Bloom to come on the podcast next week. Uh, I think we're going to make it happen. Uh, I was uh, just with him uh, before we did this. And reiterated once again that uh, uh, he will never hear the end of it if he says no. So we'll see if uh, if we can close that deal and get him next week. But for now, for everybody here uh, on this side of things, thanks for uh, listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, do all those things that I don't do uh, to keep listening to the TC and Company podcast. We'll see you again next week.